Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Boudis. On today's show, we brought on a special guest, Rachel Murphy. Rachel has worked with young people for almost 25 years as a youth director, a foster parent, a mentor to young adults, and as a mom to five children. Through the years, she became more aware of how teens are lacking easily self-taught skills that would help them as they launch out on their own. Her family started raising confident teens to teach life and leadership skills to teens and their parents. She's the host of Raising Confident Teens podcast. Rachel is also the author of the newly released book, I Am Not Your ATM, a practical plan for teaching your teen to manage money. Rachel, welcome to the show. Oh, Mark, thanks so much for having me. So that's one of the most creative titles for a book that I've, I've heard. That's a great title. How'd you come up with, with that? Because I've just heard a lot of parents say, I feel like I'm my kid's ATM. I guess eventually we'll have to change it to I'm not your Venmo because <laughs> teenagers are not going to know what an ATM is, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about financial literacy in teens. Um, you know, it's something I'm passionate about. I think it's a tough to to learn. Why, why is it so challenging? Is, is it just that no one knows where to find the information to learn? I know they're not really teaching it as much as they should in school, but I guess, how did you come across that this is really a problem? Money's always been kind of taboo. And I think in earlier generations, it wasn't as big of a problem because they couldn't get into too much trouble. You know, they didn't have credit cards. So they ran out of money. They just stopped spending. But then our generation came along, uh, you know, the first generation that really had credit cards coming out of college. And so our parents, even the ones that taught us about money, didn't know. I mean, they might have said, don't get into debt but they really didn't know how to teach us how to navigate credit cards and what it really costs. You know, the interest is really going to cost you in the long run and just the more practical ways of just, here's how you can do it on your own. Uh, so a lot of us just had to figure it out on our own and it cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars getting themselves in debt and then having to dig out. And, you know, not only is that hard on your marriage, it's hard on your family, you know, being in debt like that, but also you lose all those years that you could have been building wealth. Teenage years, is that the right time to start? Can children pick up concepts earlier or you think that teenagers are probably the right, you know, where you can get to them and, and they can make changes or, or change their mindset so that going forward, it really benefits them? I think you should start as soon as they start talking. But, you know, like when they're little and they, the little kids love money. They're like, they know it's important. They want to play with it. Um, they can't really grasp the, the bigger concepts. Like, you know, they can only think instant. I have this now. I want to spend it when they're little. You know, some people do the savings, giving, mm-hmm. spending categories. And we did that with our kids when they were little. And I think that's a great starting point, but that is not real life. Like when you're an adult, you don't get to just save, spend, and blow all the rest, which is what you do when you have the saving, spending gift. You know, you have responsibilities and bills that you have to pay and things that come up that you have necessities that are not accounted for in that. And so the way I, we teach is you, you kind of gradually start introducing them to that. And how do I navigate this? How do I plan for something that I don't have to pay for every month? 
that's a big one for a lot of people that no one ever teaches them. And then what? I got to pay that car insurance bill, you know? So how do you do it? Do you pick a concept to start with and then build on that? And then if it, if that's the way you do it, what is that concept? That's kind of the foundation of where you should start with teenagers. We do it as practically as possible because for most teens, my experience is if you're going to lecture, they're not going to get it. Like it's just a theory. It's, you know, it might just be a word problem on the page, but how does that relate to my life? So what we do in our family and what we teach is starting in fifth or sixth grade, we start turning over parts of the budget to them that are related to them. So we start with something small, say like your family goes to the gas station and gets ices every week, or they go get ice cream every week. Instead of mom or dad pulling out their wallet and paying for everybody every time, how about your kid gets an ice cream budget? They get it once a month, the beginning of the month, and they have to manage it for the whole month. You know, start with something small like that, where if they make a mistake or mess up, it's like not a big deal. It's not going to damage them for the years and years and years. And then every year, you know, as they're as they start being able to handle that, we add more categories, more money to their budget. So basically, you're just redirecting money that you're already spending right. on them, but letting them manage it and letting them have control. What about the other side of it? Not the expense side, but the income side. Do they have to have some kind of income coming in to be able for this to work? Or are you kind of not worrying about that, kind of just allocating something towards that budget for them to to use? Right. So what we do is we take what we normally would have spent on them and put that in. Like like you can, you know, spend some time thinking about how much do do I spend on them for this? Oh, okay. Well, then just redirect it to them. I can set you up a page on my website and it'll have like a spending tracker where parents can print out. It's a free spending tracker. And like every time you spend something on your kids, just start writing it down and keep up with, oh yeah, I am really spending almost every day. They're asking for something. If, if you think about it, you know, mom, I need new jeans. You know, I have this for school. I need to go on this youth activity. The first step would be just start to be more mindful of how you're spending your money on your kids. And then the next step would be, well, what one or two things can I start turning over to them so that they can start being in charge? Because teenagers love control. Right. And they love to be able to whip out their wallet and pay for it themselves and not have to say, let me go ask my mom. So let's take the example of ice cream. So let's say, you know, you go for ice cream, let's just say once a week. Um, and it costs, let's just say $20. Right. Would you say, okay, for the month, you have $80 in your ice cream budget, figure out how to how to use it? Or are you specifically saying, okay, every week there's $20. And when it comes time to go to the ice cream, you're figuring out how much everyone can get or what everyone can get, can get from it. And then do you build on that where maybe in a couple months you say, all right, now your ice cream and jeans, your bucket to buy jeans too, maybe that's $100. And, and now you have to figure out, do you want more ice cream? Do you want Right. Forget right. about ice cream and buy two pairs of jeans or or is that is that kind of how you're building on that one concept? Right. Yeah. Like they get to realize if I save money on this. So like for us, all, you know, our kids are all teenagers. Well, two teenagers left. One just moved out. Uh, she's in college. But um, we've been doing this a long time. We used to go out to eat once a week. So for years and years, they've had their restaurant portion of the budget. So, you know, we go out to eat. They pull out their debit card. They pay. They tip. When they were younger, because we have five kids, so going out to eat is can be like a big chunk of change. So it would be like, okay, everybody, we're getting water, you know, and I would feel like I would feel bad because, you know, that's probably not what everybody wants. But I noticed when they start getting their money, they, 
oh, I'll have the water. <laughs> you know, they yeah. it becomes, they take ownership. Right. And they realize if I delay gratification on this, then maybe I could go buy something else. You know, we take the kids out to buy clothes. If you're paying for it and you find a great deal, they're not motivated by that because they get no benefit from. They don't care. But if they're paying for it and they find a great deal, they're going to be excited. It's just little things that you learn as an adult if no one taught you, but but we could teach them now. You know, like girls' haircuts. You know, you don't get many haircuts, I see. But, (laughs) but, you know, you don't have to get them every month. But what do you do? You have to learn, oh, I need to set aside a little bit, you know, a little bit here and a little bit next month. And then, you know, then I'll have enough, you know, learn how to do sinking funds. You learn about tipping. You learn about all these things that naturally occur when they're allowed to practice. But if I were to just lecture and say, you need to look for a good deal, they're not really going to internalize that. Yeah. I know you mentioned that your children would pull out a debit card and pay for for the restaurant. You didn't mention credit card. What are your feelings on credit cards with teens? Is it something that they can learn how to manage responsibly or would you more promote the using of a debit card for this exercise or just in general? Right. Well, we kind of have a progression. We start out with cash when they're little because that they can't really conceptualize the plastic. And then um, we transition to debit card. Our bank allows it at eight, which is kind of young, I think. That way, they, my kids, they get their monthly uh, salary from us for all the stuff they buy. And it goes, I don't even have to think about it. It goes 10% to savings and then the rest goes into their spending account with their debit card. So, you know, I don't have to even pay them, really. It just automatically happens. Mm -hmm. And then once they turn about 16 and they're driving, I put them on as an authorized user on my card. That way it'll start building their credit. Mm -hmm. And they can only use it if my card, if, you know, hey, I need you to go to the grocery store and get something for me. Right. And then once they graduate, we, we let them get their own like student card and start using it for small stuff. But I'm not anti-credit card. We went through a period of about 10 years when we were digging out debt where we did not use credit at all just because, you know, of what we had been through. And I'm glad we did that. But, you know, I'm not going to be one of those people that says you should never use credit because, you know, they're going to need credit to get an apartment, to get a cell phone. It's a part of life. What has the feedback been from from your kids on this method of of kind of learning about it? Do they even realize it or? They love it. They love it. My 19-year-old is like, I am definitely going to do this with my kids because mm-hmm. it makes them feel like adults. It's taught them a lot of lessons. Like they've learned how to negotiate with mom. Like if something comes up, I don't I don't bail them out if, it, if they blow it, you know, on something that they should have known. But if something comes up, like she came to me last year and said, hey, mom, I'm driving the younger kids around a lot for sports and stuff, and I'm spending more on gas than I normally would. Can you increase my amount for the gas budget? And that was a reasonable request, you know? So yeah, sure, I'll do that. But they learned to advocate. They learned, because if you don't ask me, I might not know, I might not have thought of this, you know? Sure. So, you know, I feel like that's a good skill to have, you know, when they go out into the world and get a job, they learn how. Yeah. How to say, hey, this is the value I'm offering. Can we see about increasing my compensation? <laughs> yeah. So usually kids learn from two areas, right? They learn from either school or they learn from what they pick up from their families or from their from their parents. I've been hearing for a long time, financial literacy should be taught in school, should be taught in school. Yet 
I mean, I think in some areas, it's maybe a little bit more than when I was growing up, but why not more in school? And then the same thing, why do families have a tough time talking about money or, you know, teaching these lessons to kids? Well, the school thing, I think there's, there's so many aspects to this. Part of the school thing is they probably have trouble finding people to teach it because so many people, I mean, if you look at the statistics, the average person can't come up with a thousand dollars for an emergency. So, you know, the lack of people to teach it, and it's not on the test, at least in our area. Right. That is not what we're teaching for. You know, we're, we're tested on all these standards. Being good with money is not one of them. In my opinion, that is one of the most important skills you can have, because no matter where you live, who you marry, what job you do, you're going to have to be able to handle money. Now, the, the other thing I think about about money and finances is the investing aspect of it. I think especially since like last year, a lot of teenagers or young adults, their initial foray into investing was through Robinhood and some of these meme stocks like GameStop, where they were hearing it and they wanted to participate. Now, on one hand, it's good that the interest is there and that they, but again, it's like kind of going back to you, how do you protect them from maybe doing something? And, and maybe, maybe it's not, and maybe they learn a lesson if something does go bad. But, you know, we talked a little bit here about the savings, the debt, the spending. Uh, is there an investment component? Yeah, we talk about if you were to uh, say you're in college and you put a computer on your credit card, what will that look like in the long term? You know, like how much are you going to spend an in interest? How much will it really cost you? And then we like show them what if you invested this money, you know, every month in 40 years, how much money are you going to have? You know, we talk about that kind of stuff. My kids do invest. The oldest has a Roth. My 14-year-old likes to do individual stocks, which we don't really encourage. But it's been good for him to see, like, because now he's interested, you know, like, he'll see what, what they're doing, how they're doing. And he's sold some that haven't done well. Um, so we do talk a lot about investing and and what that will do for you. And like, hey, if, if you buy a house or build a house right off and then rent out the rooms, how will that affect you? And what if you've like bought, you know, a house or two every year or what would that do? You know, just having conversations about how to make your money really work for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen um, Scott Trench's book, Set for Life. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorites for young people. Like if you can get this now, I wish I had read it when I was a young person. If you can grasp these concepts now while you're younger, like yeah. before the creep hits you, you know, and just live more simply when you're younger. Everyone says the same thing. We don't make enough money. And how can that be? Because we all make different incomes. You know, we all have different amounts of people in our family. We live in different areas of the country. How can everybody have that same problem? Barring the fact that there is a minimum you need to make to survive. For most people, it's, that's not the problem. The problem is I just don't know how to manage it well. Right. So I know we, we went over the, kind of that example with the ice cream and spending What's next? Like, what's the next in the progression? Because I think that's where some people will find challenge in that they may need a blueprint. You know, they're not educators. They're not financial experts. They may have their own bad habits, the the parents themselves, but yet they, they still want to be selfless and they still want the, what's best for their children. Right. So how should someone in that case go about teaching their, their kids or, or getting their kids off to the right start? I actually read about this whole idea of turning over parts of the budget to your kid when my oldest was about three, when we were going through all of that stuff. Um, I read this book by Mary Hunt called Debt Proof Your Kids. And that book made such a huge impression on me. But she didn't go into the details like you're saying. And I struggled with that. Like, so what does this really look like? 
Like, can you break it down for me? What should I do this year? What should I do this? So that's why I wrote the book. I broke it down into, this is what I recommend you do in fifth and sixth grade. You know, this is what I recommend you do seventh and eighth grade. Here's a budget that you can print out. And here's, if you want to, if you want to have a little contract with your kid about, you know, this is what I'm responsible for, or this is what you're going to be responsible for this year. This is the amount you're going to get. Because it took me years to just really figure out, well, how, what does this look like for a, a family? You know, because like you said, a lot of people are like, oh man, that's great in theory. But if you got to tell me step one, step two, step three. So if you do want more detail, you can read my book. But if you don't want to buy the book, here here's the basic steps. Just find some things that you're spending on them and just slowly start turning it over to them. You know, like right. don't do it all at once because that's overwhelming. But I mean, think about it. Like if you've never reconciled a budget, you've never been in charge of your money. And then all of a sudden you're out on your own. And then you look at your statement and you have 100 transactions. You know, what do I do? But if you start when you're sixth grade or whatever, oh, I've only got two or three things on my statement. Those are really easy to reconcile. And then it's not so overwhelming. It's kind of like uh, teaching your kid to drive. When we teach our kids to drive, we start out in the uh, parking lot down the street. And then we go to a subdivision. And then we go to a kind of a quiet street. And then we go through the city. And then we go to the interstate. For a lot of people, it's kind of like, oh, we may have done like the parking lot, but then there was nothing. And then I got thrown out into the Atlanta freeway at night. You know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I get run over, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I know you mentioned, the, you know, the kids like it. You had a lot of, you've had, you're having a lot of success with it, but nothing is ever like a straight shot up. What are some of the challenges that you've had using this methodology? Right. Well, sometimes my kids come to me, like I said, my daughter, like, oh, you know, I'm driving more. Can we talk about it? Or you'll have expenses come up that you didn't think about. Like I had a, a kid who's the manager for the basketball team. I thought he was just doing JV, um, but it turns out he's doing JV and varsity. So he was having to go to the varsity games too. So they get money for their food for the games. So I had added it up in my head. Like, this is how many games he's got out of town. And, you know, this some, but he was going to more games. So I'm like, he was like, mom, I'm doing more games. So, you know, I had to increase his budget for that, you know, stuff like that. Most everything is figure outable. As long as you are com- committed to this, it's something that is going to benefit them their whole life, teaching them. However you do it, you, they need to be taught, right? Right. The kick the can down the road, I mean, you can do it, but it's it may not turn out well. If I just say, well, I'll teach them that later, you know? Yeah. Do you ever come across parents who say, oh, my kid's really smart. They'll figure this out. They don't need my help or anyone's help in kind of figuring this out. Or is it more of just the struggle is really with actually implement, actually sticking with the discipline of actually implementing this? I think most people, they just don't know what to do. They want to help their kids, but they don't know how. I mean, that's a lot of parenting, isn't it? Like, <laughs> we're all just trying to figure it out as we go. Like, they gave me these children with no instructions. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, like we parents need each other. We need each other to help each other out. If we, if we come up with something good, Hey, this works. But I have heard people say that before, like in other, like I, I'm, I belong to parenting uh, Facebook groups just to see what they talk about because of our podcast. They'll be like, well, I learned it on my own. They can learn it on their own, but that could be really dangerous. Yeah. And what you said, your oldest was 19. 24. 24. Okay. So is there a point where you kind of say, okay, I've taught them enough. My job is done with this. Or is it 
you know, because I, I also envision the person who maybe graduates college and now it's really on. They have to figure it out where they have a real job. And you may have taught them parts of it, but now it's kind of full blown. They're responsible for everything um, or, you know, or maybe they're responsible for everything. But um, do you come, to, did you come to some point where you said, okay, we've taught everything, you know, for my oldest for now? And, or are you kind of still oh, not overseeing, but still kind of helping out with some of the process? Right. I mean, it's different for every family, but our thing is college graduation. That is when you are on your own, unless something major, you know, unless there's a major problem or something. Right. So he's totally independent. He pays all his own bills. He went and got life insurance. He went and got his own health insurance. That That is what we work towards, having a adult who can stand on their own two feet. But I'm I'm a parent. I'm always going to say, "Hey, what's going on?" You know, <laughs> like, "How's it going?" Is you're always going to be interested in their life and want to help. But the goal is to get them where they can support themselves. And right, because I mean, that's that's what they want too. Really, is to be able to, to support themselves and to be confident in their own ability. Yeah. And so you said you went through it with all five kids. Well, the youngest is only eight. So okay, four of them. Did they all kind of grasp the concepts or react the same or were there were there differences between children? Yeah, kids are all different. It's so funny. Yeah. Like they can be raised in the exact same household and think differently about so many different things. We have one that's a really big saver. We have a deal with our kids that we will match what they earn for a car up to a certain amount. And so like she squirrels away everything she possibly can to the car fund. And then we have others that, you know, like to spend a little more. Their car fund's a little skinny. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. They, they watch what you do mm-hmm. to see what they could get away with. You know, they watch what you do with the older ones. Is mom and dad going to really stick by what they say here? Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to follow suit, so we better uh, pay attention. <laughs> yeah, they're all different. Some are more entrepreneurial. Some have their own businesses. Is it just one that went through college or you have multiple? Uh, one is graduated college. One is a freshman in college. With we do a lot of late stage college planning, and one of the things we you know we see the dynamics a lot from parents that say, you know what, I'm going to let my kid pick the school, and we'll figure out how to pay, and we'll figure that out. Or there's some that almost do your concept with putting them on a budget and saying, here's how much you have to spend on college. You can pick, but if it goes over that, you're responsible for whatever the the difference is. How did you do? college planning, you know, what school and cost and that in, in your family. My kids all wanted to go local and we live in Florida. So we have bright futures. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So if you, if you work so many volunteer hours and you have a certain GPA and you score a certain amount on the SAT or ACT, then now your tuition, your tuition and books are all paid for. So some years it's a percentage. So that's been very helpful to have. <laughs> Yeah. So my oldest lived at home and went to school using that. And he paid for part of it because he lost a scholarship and we paid for part. But then the second kid wanted to move out. So she moved in with her oldest brother and rents one of his rooms and she works a job. She works part time. So, you know, every family does what's different, you know, what, what works for them and 
That's why it's personal finance. But I would say you need to be really careful and just saying go wherever you want to go because a lot of kids will pick the school based on the football team or yeah. There somebody told me the other day that they heard a kid pick the school based on the colors, the school colors, right? Like so we had our kids go through career coaching, which I feel was really valuable um, just to figure out what they really were passionate about and what, what bent they had. And and then they said, well, these might be careers you might be interested in, which was totally different than what my kids were thinking of. But once they heard that, it really motivated them, really got them excited and gave them a direction like, oh, wow, I have something to shoot for. Is, is that something they do in high school or um, I just found it through our podcast. Like somebody okay. recommended it. I think it's becoming more popular. Colleges are realizing that they're getting kids in there and the kids have no clue what they're doing. Right. Um, it's worth it. And it costs like five or 600 bucks. But my thought was if that saves me one college class, yeah. it's worth it. Cause so many kids just don't have a clue what they want to do. And that's fine if you really don't know. And if you can't figure it out, but spend a little effort and just yeah. try and see if you can. No, you have, you go to school at 18 and you're told to pick a major and pick this and yeah. no one knows what they want to do at, at 18 years old. That's overwhelming. I couldn't see getting into a huge amount of college debt over that, you know, yeah. Certain careers maybe, but if you can go local and go uh, state college, like nobody looks at, your degree for most jobs and says, Oh, you went to the, you went to this university. Nobody, they just want to know if you got the degree. Yeah. I, I know you mentioned you have the book, you have the podcast. Do you also help parents and children kind of go through this, th this progression and, and this learning of these skills? I don't, but maybe I should like do private coaching. You mean? Yeah. And the reason I think of it is books, knowledge from podcasts, they're, they're all great. But I think what people struggle with too, is the actual like execution of it and the implementation of it. Right. Um, you know, I think people can read a book, they can learn some, learn a concept, but it's not really to you, you know, hold someone accountable to if this is what they say they want to do to, to doing it. Yeah. Which I think some people struggle with is, the, you know, when there's so many distractions that everyone has right now, they might have the best intention of, oh yeah, we want to do, you know, learn, you know, the five-year-old or six-year-old should learn this, this, and this. They may want to do it. And then all of a sudden things get in the way. But if I have to uh, get on a call with you and tell you that I didn't do anything, I, <laughs> then I'd be more likely to do it. Yeah. Sometimes that's that's all it takes sometimes is that they know that, oh, I'm getting on this call, talking to my coach. and That's a good point, Mark. Maybe I should do that. Do you have another book planned or? I don't know. That one was a lot of work. Yeah. I think I hear that a lot that you, know, you go into it thinking, okay, I'm going to write a book. I have a lot of ideas, thoughts, and then all the actual. Well, I never wanted to be a writer. That was never a goal of mine. It was weird the way it happened. Like, I just felt like you need to write a book about this. That it just like, I felt it in my spirit last year. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. Rachel, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, how best can someone learn more about your book, podcast, reach out to you, find out more about you? Um, if you go to rachelmurphycoaching.com slash agents, I'm going to have a page just for Mark's listeners here. Awesome. Thank you. So we'll link to all that in the show notes. Um, so thank you again. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. 
always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.